Film Pulse is supported by the kind donations from listeners like you. Please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash filmpulse for just $1 a month and help keep the podcast on the air. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 261. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, Kevin Rakestraw. How are you? I'm um, doing pretty good. Busy day today? Yeah. Wheeling and dealing? You know it. Making all sorts of deals. Oh boy. I had Look a, out. Had a, a nerf fight. What? Yeah. Nerf? Nerf. The old the old nephews we had a nerf battle it's pretty cool. oh man that sounds awesome i was just looking at nerf guns online the other day oh yeah yeah is that a thing you're gonna get into no i was, I was just gonna buy like one i was just gonna buy one more than anything i was just curious to see what kind of nerf guns are available these days a lot because i used to be really into nerf guns when i was a kid there's too many to choose from really if we're being honest. They look really cool now. They look really advanced. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They got, like, clips and... I don't know. Some of them look like they're motorized. No, what? Was this real Nerf, or was it, like, knockoff Nerf that you were using? Uh, real Nerf, I think. Pretty sure. Okay. Because they got, there's a lot of knockoffs. A lot of cheap knockoff Nerf guns out there. Well, I don't, I don't buy... I don't buy the knockoff shit from my nephews. Only the real Good. deal. I remember I had this one Nerf gun called the Sawtooth, and it was the most badass Nerf gun ever. And I think I traded it to somebody for Pogs. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I traded it to somebody for Pogs. That's when we own a deal and goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. Big mistake. Uh, Big mistake. Is that something that you think of often as just like, what was I thinking? Mm, Why did I do that? It's up there. Is that a a shameful day in your history? I mean, there are are a number of wheels and deals that I regret (laughs) as an adult. (laughs) Uh, I, I traded away my Nintendo, my original Nintendo. Why? Regret that. I sold my Fireball Island game at a yard sale. Big oh, regret man. on that one. I remember that game. Fireball Island, that game's worth, if you can find a complete version of Fireball Island now, that thing's worth like several hundred dollars. Really? Yeah. Huge regret. Actually, my, my dad was here visiting two weekends ago, or last weekend. It's one of the reasons we didn't uh, have a show, and I mentioned fireball island to him and how pissed i was that he got rid of it but then i remembered he didn't get rid of it i sold it at a yard sale that was my fault you tried to put it on him yeah i did yeah man did he put you in your place yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) of course he did of course he did uh i expect nothing less from him yeah (laughs) all right this week on the show we'll be talking about michael o'shea's the transfiguration which is going to be opening on VOD platforms this coming Friday, August 8th. We're going to be talking about some of we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Remember, you can send us 
your comments, questions, topics to podcastoffilmpulse.net. I'm thinking that we can jump right into this this review. Let's see what's stopping us. Yeah, the Transfiguration. As I said, this is written and directed by Michael O'Shea. I have a synopsis here. When troubled teen Milo, who has a fascination with vampire lore, meets the equally alienated Sophie, the two form a bond that begins to blur Milo's fantasy into reality. We'll start it with you, Kevin. First thing. What'd you think? Yeah. Because I think I, you know, opened it up on the IMDb here, and it's that's this is the first time that I got to read the the synopsis, and I don't quite understand the last part there because that seems incorrect. It is absolutely incorrect <laughs> because the opening scene of the film clearly shows that his fantasy has already blurred into his reality. <laughs> it is full on reality. I don't. We don't even see a fantasy portion of. Exactly. Of his life. There's there's no it's just straight there's up no reality. build up. There's no build up to it. You know, I, I was thinking, okay, well maybe he's gonna become obsessed with vampires and then gradually this obsession turns, you know, into some sort of psychosis that, that makes him think that he's a vampire. Maybe he's gonna maybe he's gonna kill somebody. But r- opening <laughs> scene, this is not a spoiler. Opening scene. He has killed he is, someone. He is eating the blood of a man. Right off the bat. Blood eating. Right off the bat. I mean, that's how you're introduced to Milo. Is him mm-hmm. drinking blood from a man sitting on a toilet. Mm-hmm. Yep. In a, I think, what was that, a bus station? Train station? It lo- yeah, it's some sort of scuzzy public restroom in New York somewhere. Which he's just, he's, he, he doesn't have a lot of forethought, a lot of planning to this. It seems like, it seems like he's just... A little reckless. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of surprised that, you know, he doesn't get caught, like, right off the bat. Nope. Especially in that opening scene. Somebody witnesses it. Like, yeah. that, that dude, he sees it. He knows what's going on. Well, no. I guess he's a little... He thinks something else going on. Yeah, maybe. So maybe. Because like, oh, if he saw what we saw, then, yeah, I guess he, he could think that something else was happening. So I think he just heard the, he heard the sounds, and he saw the, the two pairs of feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, was like, and he thought, oh, yeah. Thought there was some sex stuff going on in there. Some sex stuff. Yeah, it was not. It was not sex stuff. Absolutely not. It was eating blood. Eating some blood. What did you think of this thing? Um, man, this is. You ever have those films where they're not bad, they're not great, they just don't really move you in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of like, yeah, that was that was. uh, I guess that was well made. Good on you. I take it that's how you're feeling about this one. Yeah, I just <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot to say really. Like performances were solid. I thought they were good. To me, like everything's just serviceable. Just, I don't I don't have a whole lot of negative <laughs> criticisms with this. Yeah, me either. I, I I sort of feel like you, where this after it was over, I didn't come away absolutely loving it. I think that I did sort of cool on it a bit by the end because at first within like i'd say the first 30 minutes i really was really liking this it was it was i was really into it but then for whatever reason it's it just cooled on me i'm not sure what it was that caused that to happen well i think there's i think the initial because for me you know within the first you know 20 minutes or so there's this you're kind of riding this high of like man where's this gonna go what are they going to do with this genre? 
And then as time progresses, you're kind of like, oh, we're not going to do much, really, I guess. Right. And it's it's interesting because they do introduce a few layers to this. Like you have the whole thing with because you're trying to figure out why this kid is like this. And at first, because right after the scene at the beginning, we see I don't know if it was right after, but it was, it was close. Uh, he's having a meeting with his guidance counselor, I guess, at school. Yeah. And it's revealed there that at one point he was killing animals and they knew about it. And so you're like, okay, I get it. He's This kid is like clearly a psychopath. This kid is nuts. Yeah. But then they introduce the, the, the scene or they, they introduce the fact that his mom killed herself and he kind of walked in on that scene and it seems like okay that seems like it was the breaking point for him that's that's when things took a turn and maybe he's using this kind of vampire obsession as a coping mechanism to deal with the fact that his father died when he was very young his mother committed suicide not only that but he's just struggling he's constantly bullied everywhere he goes nobody talks to him nobody likes him so it seems like this is very clearly a coping mechanism, yeah. but they didn't really get into it very deeply. No. It was not just not a kid who liked vampires and liked murdering people. Yeah. Yeah. Which like, it gets, it gets rather stagnant because it, it is that for a good stretch of it, where it's just, he's putting X's in his calendar. He's kind of just watching some videos then he, you know, he might find another victim, put an X in his calendar, watch some more YouTube videos, where he hangs out with the with the girl. Right, and that adds a whole new thing, new element to the plot as well. Once he meets this Sophie girl, the two of them strike up a friendship, and that kind of evolves into more more of a romance. And then he's, I guess, sort of then conflicted about what his urges are and i guess that's where the whole transfiguration thing comes into play towards the end when he realizes that this is not something that he should be doing he sees the light and he decides that he wants to change yeah but even you know when sophie gets introduced i mean with that that kind of follows a you know well-worn path you're like okay there He's going to open up a little bit more. He's going to talk a little bit more. It's going to blossom into a little bit of a relationship. Of course, she's going to find out, get spooked, and then... And then come back. And then come, and that's exactly what happens in here. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's like, okay. You know, and I mean, in certain aspects of this are extremely predictable. I agree. Uh, some aspects I think are less predictable. There's a scene with Larry Fessenden who I didn't know was in this. And then I, I recognized him before they even <laughs> showed his face when he's fighting with his whatever girlfriend or whoever the woman was in the alley. When they first show like his silhouette, I was like, I bet that's Larry Fessenden. He's it's, it's gotta be. him. <laughs> I can just tell. And sure enough, there he was. He does. He does have a distinct silhouette. Mm-hmm. And, and not, I don't and just think as many people can say that. No, I, I, I think the hair is a big part of it. The hair, yeah. You just, you just know it's Larry. And then, of course, as soon as you see him, you're like, well, how long is it going to be before he gets killed? <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah. At this point, I think if you see Larry Fessident in in a movie, you don't need to say that it's going to be a spoiler that he gets killed. Yeah. Like that. That is just a given. 
I think it's almost. It, I wonder if that's part of his contract. I think it's like, it's I like a New. I think it's like a city contract. I think it's like a New York City contract. If you make a a horror film in New York City, Larry Fessenden is contractually obligated to be in it and die at some point. Because I'm pretty be sure any New York produced horror movie, he's he's in there somewhere and getting killed. Yeah. I would Which like, I am totally I, fine with. <laughs> I need someone to run an analysis on that, run some data. Just I would I want to know the percentage for him if he stars in a movie, if he dies in that movie. Because I want to say oh, it's got to be like 80%, 85%. At least, at least. I, I say, I bet it's like 90. Just it, I feel like, especially recently, I'd say within the last three years, every single movie he's been in, he's died. Yeah, because I'm, tr- I'm kind of like walking back through all the faceted movies. And I think he has died in all of them. And he's in, he is in so many movies. <laughs> what else he's got to do? Show up one day and die. He's probably in makeup for a little bit to do the blood effects and everything. That's just like a one day shoot, you know, quick scene of him dying. And then boom, he's done. He can get on yeah. with his life. I wonder how much he gets paid for that. Probably nothing or very little. I wonder if it's some like indie, indie film make a wish thing. Where he's helping people out with their horror movies. Uh, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's more of a pedigree thing. Like you, like to have him be in your horror movie. I think is a, a little bit of an honor. Yeah, but it so also I, doesn't so seem like he has. <laughs> it doesn't seem like he's turning down things, is he? Well, maybe maybe so if he re, if he checks out a project and likes it, he just well, wants again, to. I wonder if it comes down. You know, it's like probably like a one day shoot for him. So theoretically speaking, he could do three hundred and sixty five. Maybe he just uh, yeah, throws in I mean, a couple of days off here and there so he can travel. So he's, you know, doing like 80, 90 a year probably. Well, he has eight listed for 2017. 2016, he has, say, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He has eight for 2016. So, yeah, he's, he's cranking seems, them out. That seems correct. I'm pretty sure I saw him more than eight times in 2016. Well, maybe some of the stuff you saw was dated for 2015. Yeah, I'm just calling bullshit. I don't think I'd be can keep up with him. Probably. Plus, he's doing video games too. He did Until Dawn, that that PlayStation Four game. He did the voices in that, and he was a character in that. Dude's everywhere. And he was great in that. My goodness. Yeah. Anyway, back to Transfiguration. Overall, I liked it. I thought that it looked really nice. It was definitely my style. That kind of gritty handheld. The dirty city style i did like a lot of the framing choices the only thing that did kind of annoy me at the beginning is uh, when handheld when they try and do you know like the static frame and they can't hold the camera oh, still, yeah. <laughs> they don't have the steady cam that just like, kind of just like spring for a tripod like they can't be that expensive there's a part of me that wants to start a charity that i just i'll buy a couple of tripods and if you're making a movie, you need a tripod, hit me up. I'll let you have it free. <laughs> Use it for the duration of your shoot. I won't charge you anything. Just get it back to me in the condition I gave it to you. I like that idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna start that. I'm gonna have a website and everything. Just I don't mind. There's, there's that, I don't mind the camera movements. And well, there was that. one. It was towards the beginning. I think he's like walking under a bridge, and. Like, they have it as a static frame, but number one, they don't even have it level. They have it, like, cocked to the side, and then you can see them, like, kind of... You can tell that they're trying to, like, level it out, 
but trying to do it in very small increments so it's not like this big jolt. And it just irritated me. It's just like, just get a tripod or just get like bring a chair and sit on a chair or a table, something. <laughs> like have someone get on all fours and just put it on their back or something. I don't know. Figure something out. That didn't bother me. I, I, I like that kind of not sloppy, but messy, I guess, sort of look. Now, <clears throat> I, I mean, for the most part, I liked it. I do have this um, suspicion that within a couple weeks' time, I'm not going to remember much of this. I agree. And definitely I... by the end of the year, I'm good. It's going to be one of those things where I'm looking through, you know, my my list of 2017 films. I'm going to be like, oh, what is that one? Like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I think movie. I think yeah, I think I'll remember it. I think I'll remember the broad strokes by the end of the year. I did, I did enjoy it for the most part. There, I could have done without the the scene, the YouTube's or not, whatever it wasn't YouTube, but that the scene where he shows her the video. Uh, I felt like they cut to the video too much. I was like, I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's not for me. I felt like it wasn't necessary. Like I feel like they could have like started the video and then just had the camera fixed on her reaction. You know, and that would have been more effective than showing us what they're watching. Yeah. Because I'm not all about watching animals get slaughtered and tortured and stuff. That's not. Yeah. No that's thanks. not cool. No, thanks on that one. Uh, there's also there's some pretty shocking, specifically one shocking murder that occurs. And I wanted to ch- to see what you thought of that and if you thought that it, you know, fit within this the character of Milo did it and did it change <clears throat> your thoughts about him well yeah it definitely made me change my thoughts about him I mean I wasn't really on you weren't on team Milo yeah I wasn't on team Milo to begin with you know but I that was the one thing that I did find interesting was that his reaction to it too because it seems mm-hmm. as though as it kind of caught him off guard as well that he was able to you know that that was that was a part of him. He was able to do that, and that was the turning point for him as well. That's when yeah. he, after that incident, he that's when he decides this is I, I'm not fit for this world. And this yeah. is this is not for me anymore. Yeah. So I did. I did. Uh, I think for me that was the most interesting. Uh, you know, like segment of the film. It's just you know up until that point, the build up to that is just. Not a lot there for me. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, It's interesting. It's like this kind of hybrid between this urban drama and a thriller where a lot of it is just him trying to live day to day and not get beat up and pissed on and bullied. And then the other part of it is him cultivating this relationship with this girl. And it's in that regard, it's sort of a coming of age story as well. Yeah. But I, I thought it was pretty well done overall. Yeah, I mean, again, well-made film to a certain extent. It's just I, I just don't, I don't see anything here that uh, would make me lean towards you know using words like memorable or anything right. like that. He had a real problem with the realistic depiction of vampires. I did. He he was really he, stuck on that. He was really. They're just they're they're not realistic. That's not realistic. Twilight yeah. not realistic. 
let the right one in. I don't know how realistic it was. And I just love how the, he's the only thing that he's going off of is his own experience of being mm-hmm. not a vampire, but essentially just someone that cuts people's throats and drinks the blood and then immediately throws it up. Like, <laughs> yeah, he can't. I don't... <laughs> He attempts to ingest the blood. It doesn't work out so good for him. Yeah, I mean, it's not... He's not even really a vampire. He just... It's it's like he has this need to be one, and his body's just, like, keeps rejecting it at every turn. It's just like, <laughs> nope. no, dude, we are not doing this. You're not becoming a vampire. Which I did, you know... I, I thought that was kind of odd, too, that he has this, like, schedule of, like... I wonder if he just thought, like, if I keep up with it, it's got to work. It'll stick. My, like my, it'll. Like my body yeah. will get used to it. Yeah, I thought that that was interesting too. How he had like the calendar, and on specific days, those were the days when he would quote unquote feed. Yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting. Good performances all around. I thought. Um, didn't realize Lloyd Kaufman was in this. This is. Did you recognize I mean, him? It says no. hobo. I didn't. Well, I wanted this too. Is. Because I'm going down through the IMDb thing. Number one, there's Sophie's dog's or Sophie's friend's dog. I don't remember a dog. Who is Sophie's friend? Well, it says Sophie's friend down a little bit too. I don't remember Sophie having a friend. Andrea Cordero? No, I do not remember her at all. No. The only other interaction I think that I saw Sophie even have was with those dudes at the yeah. at the beginning. That, that must have been cut. Because I, I, I don't remember a hobo either. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the hobo, unless the hobo was uh, the guy under the bridge when he was pretending to be asleep. Mm, but that, maybe. that to, uh, maybe that was him. That didn't look like Lloyd Kaufman to me. But I really wasn't looking for it. I don't know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Eric Ruffin plays Milo. He, I thought he did a really good job. His his he doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, but I thought that uh, his his facial expressions and his uh, emotion that he brought to it was quite good. Yeah, it, I thought it, Sophie it did a pretty good job too. Chloe Levine. It worked pretty well with, uh, you know, what they're going for. Ah, that's right. She was in the OA. I was, I knew I recognized her from something and I couldn't, couldn't place it. She's, she's in that OA mm-hmm. show on Netflix. Started it. And then I was like, Nope, I finished it. It wasn't, they just kept uh, dicking around. Another it wasn't show where they just dick around. It wasn't anything memorable. <laughs> That's all TV I, is. I, could, I couldn't tell you anything that happened in that show, actually. <laughs> TV is nothing but just dicking around. Padding. A lot of padding. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I didn't think there was a whole lot of padding in this movie. Hmm. Hour and 37 minutes. Pretty. It's pretty lean. I yeah, except when, I didn't feel... when your Vimeo buffers every two seconds. Well, that's your internet. I know. Why? Why? I, I watched Why? it today and I didn't have any issues at all. If I stream anything else, I have no issues whatsoever. If I stream something that I need to see, you know what I mean? Like there's a deadline. Yeah. I need to watch it. I have nothing but issues. <laughs> nothing. That's always my favorite. And I and all and in the the times where you go to watch something and it's expired. <laughs> that's always that's always <laughs> the best. Because sometimes, and I know this is like totally inside baseball, but sometimes you sit down to to watch something and it won't be due for like two or three weeks. And you sit down to watch and it's like, oh, your link expired. Click here to request a new one. You're like, fuck. 
You're my favorite too. Is the which this happened to me a couple of times. This is when you're watching it. This will. This is what'll happen. I'll oh, I, I know exactly what you're gonna say, but go ahead. <laughs> I pause it because I'm like, time to smoke a cigarette, or I gotta take the dog outside or something. Then I come back in, won't load, and then it says like you have to request another link. Yep. And it's like, what? I I didn't even do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, those are the best. You can't even take a bathroom break. Or sometimes I'll try to rewind something, and it then it'll get all screwed up, and then I'll lose access to the screen. Here it's like, come on. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and give the Transfiguration a score. I'm gonna throw out a six point five on this one. I'm gonna throw a six. All right. You can check it out. I don't know what the deal is with the release on this one. Uh, we got an email. It's it's coming out on VOD. Strand is releasing it on the 8th. I don't know if it already came out because according to IMDB, it says it had a limited release in April. But I don't I don't remember seeing that. So I don't. maybe it had a really small run. I'm not sure. But either way, you'll be able to see it for yourself on uh, Friday. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think we'll start it with you this week. Oh, with me, huh? I saw. I think uh, I think you actually probably saw more than me. So watch out. I saw hidden figures. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is one of those instances where it's absolute terrible filmmaking, but it's one of those things where the story's good enough that you still enjoy your, yourself immensely mm-hmm. watching it because you. You're there for the story, essentially. But they make some really odd choices with this. Um, there's this like fixation on Roger P. Henson's character, Catherine Johnson, of when she gets moved up into, I guess, like the main building or whatever, and she's working with Kevin Costner and the team. <clears throat> In that area, there's no there's no restroom for black people. So she has to run the whole way back to the black building, which is, I forget how far they sit, but apparently it takes her just to go to the bathroom. It's like a 40 minute trip to her to run the whole way over there, use the bathroom and then run the whole way back. And like the first time that they do it. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I I get that. That sucks. That's really difficult. Like how does she get any work done? But like they keep coming back to it and they, it, I'm not 100% sure, but it felt like they showed this more so than any of the science stuff that they do, like the actual mathematics and everything that the story is supposed to be about. Is this like, is this take place in Florida? Is this at uh, Cape Canaveral? I, I'm not sure where. No, it's in um, Virginia. Oh, okay. Langley, I think. Oh, okay. Like in that area. Um, and then like the Janelle Monet character, they kind of... She, like they start off as equal, like everyone's getting equal time between the three of them, you know, them and Octavia Spencer. And then with her storyline, it just kind of fizzles off. Like she's, she's wants to become a female engineer, which is going to be really difficult for her. And she's not allowed to go to the, there's only two places where she can take classes. One is at the university, which doesn't allow black people. And the other one as at the high school which they don't allow black people either and then like she wins a court case just by using a few choice words to the judge which is another thing that they kind of just gloss over is that she just gives this like little speech and then he's like yep you can do it (laughs) she's like what like is it really that simple and then 
there's one scene where Kevin Costner is like, where, where do you go all the time where you're gone for 40 minutes? And then she, you know, goes off on, there's no bathrooms for her. So she has to run the whole way to the other building. And they, they put out another like coffee thing because they don't, all of her coworkers don't want her touching their coffee. So she gives this like impassioned speech and she's really pissed off. And then it immediately cuts to Kevin Costner with a crowbar smashing down the, uh, says like colored bathroom and he's like smashing down the sign and he finally rips it off the wall and he's dragging it behind him and he's like and i shit you not he says here at nasa we all pee the same color <laughs> it's uh... just it's like what why i just just kind of bizarre just to handle it you know that way in such a like a, it's like they handled it like it's written in a children's book. It's just like who is who do they think the audience is? is do they really think there were a bunch of six year olds watching this or for I don't you know like it was yeah, just I mean it, what I I didn't see this but what I took from the trailers is it looked it looked pretty light hearted like it looked like there were a lot of comedic elements in it. So <laughs> could, it, could it, was it just like the tone? It had just a lighter tone. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, it gets, it kind of, it tries to get serious at times with the segregation and the racism and stuff. But with that, with it having such a light tone and it, the way they kind of handle it, like with kick gloves, it's just like, it just didn't work. Mm. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this one just didn't do it for me either. I, I wasn't really interested in it. Like I was interested in the story. Like I, the, mm-hmm. I wanted to learn more about the the real story, but the movie just didn't really appeal yeah, to me. And that's the thing. Like the story is really interesting, and when it focuses on that, like a hundred percent on that, when they're working with mathematics or computers, it's great. But it doesn't spend a lot of time doing that, unfortunately. Mm. All right. Well, that's hidden figures. Kevin fucking hated it. That's not a fan. No. <laughs> No, I was not. Uh, I saw a movie that uh, recently that I that I actually loved. Probably one of my favorite movies of the year, and that's Person to Person. Oh yeah, I saw this too. Yeah, this uh, this one really did it for me. I was I was all about this movie. Uh, basically, just a it's a, just a light movie about several people living in New York. Um, kind of just wanders into their lives and meanders from one person to the next and uh, I was just I was all about it I, I it sort of reminded me of how I felt about uh Patterson last year where it just mm-hmm. it, it was just made me feel good this movie yeah and yeah I pretty much loved everything about it uh, the the New York setting was a big part of it too uh, I love movies that take place in New York and this this really celebrated the city and I appreciated that. Yeah, plus you get that 16 millimeter. Oh yeah, with Ashley oh. Connor shooting. You got Benny Cooper Smith in there with his button-down shirt. I just thought that he's, <laughs> yeah. he's just he's just he's just trying to get he's trying to gauge everyone on what they think about his shirt. He really wants to know if it's him. Yeah, and just to have to watch him and Buddy Duress, you know, in a scene together, and they're the bike chase. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the bike chase. Uh, I liked the 
I liked uh, the whole Abby Jacobson, Michael Sarah stuff. I thought that they had really good chemistry together. They, they I thought that they worked off of each other really well. Yeah, and how Sarah's kind of he was obsessed with that his buddies or was it his band too? It was his was band. band? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was his band. He said he was but like he was the saying, bass player or something. Yeah, but he's so obsessed with the lead singer, his buddy. Yep. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, I liked the uh, I liked the fact that Benny Safdie was in this. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know he was going to be in it. Oh, I and George, it pop up. And George Sample third. I thought he was. I I could. I just need either a web series, TV show, maybe a full movie of just him and Benny Cooper Smith being roommates. Yeah just hanging out with each other yeah i liked him a lot too makes me want to see hunter gather everyone's pretty much great in it he's also really good in uh cronies oh maybe i need to check that out too cronies is that's a tough one it's a decent movie except for there's one there's a white guy in it and it might be like one of the worst performances i've ever seen and he just like single-handedly ruins the movie Oh, that sucks. I hate it when that happens. Just just fucking destroys it. I actually couldn't finish it because of him. That's how bad he is. It's just like, nope, can't do it anymore. Yeah, that sucks. So if you could get a cut with where they cut him out of the movie, it would be watchable then. Either way, person to person, I would highly recommend checking this out. This is on VOD, so you can uh, check it out there. And this is actually, this is my favorite film of the year so far right now. I did see cronies. I, I looked. I just looked it up because I was like, "That movie sounds really familiar." Did I see I this? Thought, I thought you did see it. I did see it. I uh, yeah. I rated it a three and a half on Letterboxd. Do you remember anything about it? Nope. I, I remember a little bit. Wasn't it just? I, yeah, I remember just a very little bit about it. It was black and white. Yeah. I, I'm. I honestly don't remember much about it except for the. That one guy was absolutely terrible. When did I see this? I don't even remember when I saw this. Was like two days ago. No, I saw it April 25th, 2015. That's when I saw it. Hmm. Was it Was it the one where it was sort of like a documentary? Kind of, yeah. Either way, person to person is fantastic. So check check that one out. It's just, that's a fun movie to watch. That is one of... And that was one, too, that like as soon as it was done... I just wanted to start it again. No yeah, lie. it's definitely a movie that you can easily rewatch over and over again. Just because it's so light and breezy. <clears throat> um, I watched uh, Puzzle of a Downfall Child from Jerry Schatzberg. Oh, Jerry Schatzberg up in here. Jerry Schatzberg is... Now, I've only seen two of his films so far, but you ever watch a movie by someone and just based on that movie alone you're just like i have a feeling that i'm gonna love all of their work yeah this, i think i felt that way about wes anderson for this the rushmore this director is for me well that's what that's what happened with jerry schatzberg back when i saw uh, the panic in needle park so i finally got around to watching puzzle of the downfall child this is from 1970 found this on youtube uh it has faye dunaway is the lead actress and she plays a a model who is spending time at uh, like this little cottage on the beach. This is after she's had like a complete like breakdown, right? And an old friend is there kind of talking to her, recording, 
because he's he's going to be making a film so he's kind of going through the past and everything trying to get material you know <clears throat> so as she's recounting these things and going through memory and everything it's kind of shown through a series of flashbacks and all that but what they what he does is because of her kind of like reminiscing and retelling stories and whatnot they kind of everything kind of gets blurred together from like either the past in with the present and then just because she's not a um what, what how you wouldn't say that like a completely trustworthy narrator you know of her telling her story and everything things kind of change and it's just it's it doesn't feel like a hundred percent like mind fuck it's not like he's trying to do that it all feels really really organized everything is just really organized but yet it's disjointed at the same time like there's a scene where she's she's recounting some memory and she's like walking on the beach and she's talking to this like fisherman guy and so like the audio doesn't sync up at all with what you're seeing it's the audio is the past and kind of the present is what you're seeing on the beach and then the camera pulls back and it's her looking out the window went to the beach essentially seeing herself in a different time it's just it's pretty incredible and of course the Faye Dunaway's performance in it is just unbelievable it's a it's a it's a uh, 10 out of 10 as I like to say it would 10 wow. out of 10 yeah this this movie is incredible I don't know why it's not bigger like it's fucking incredible hmm that's puzzle of a downfall child. I want to make sure that the next Schatzberg you see is no small affair from 1984, starring John Cryer and Demi Moore. What? That's got to be your next one. Let me. Th- I gotta look this up real quick. He's 16, she's 22. All he wanted was her picture. What he got was no small affair. Oh. Yes. I don't know about that. That sounds good. <laughs> Maybe I won't like all of this work. Just throw that out. I, I mean, I like you, you, you already said it. You said you're going to love everything that he made. So that's going to be your God. next one. God Jeffrey Tambor's it. in it. Tim Robbins. Jennifer Tilly. That's got to be your next Schatzberg. If I can find no small fare. Look at that cover, too. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'll watch it, too. I'll, I'll watch it, too, just because it's... Well, I don't want you to start Jerry Schatzberg with no small fare. <laughs> uh, if I did, I'd probably start with Panic in Needle Park, just because that's on my list of shame. Either that or uh, Scarecrow is supposed to be really good, too. Which I just realized Puzzle of the Downfall of Child was his debut. Like, that's even more fucking incredible. It was his debut film. Jesus Christ. Nice. And I <laughs> saw Atomic Blonde. Oh, yeah? How's that? Yeah. It's it's decent. Oh. It wasn't great. The the action scenes were good. Uh, they were really solid. Specifically one, there's a... You see a part of it in the trailer. It's like in a hallway, sort of, in a stairwell. Uh, that that whole scene was all done in, in one... It was a single take, very long. I don't know if they... I really wasn't looking to see if they were hiding any cuts or anything like that, because I was just... In the moment, I was really into into what was happening, was unfolding. So the action is is good. It's there's not nearly as much of it as I expected. Uh, I don't I don't know why. I just kind of expect it to be like John Wick, where it's almost wall to wall action. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the same one of the directors of the first John Wick, David Leach. 
uh, it's more. There's more kind of spy stuff involved than than action. She she plays this MI6 agent who is sent to Berlin in 1989, right when. The Berlin Wall is about to fall, and um, she's trying to uncover uh, someone who infiltrated MI6 and has a list of all of the undercover operatives. I think for MI6 and for the CIA and maybe even for the like French intelligence as well. So it's like this master list of this, the identities of all of these secret agents from around the world. So it's this really, really important that they get this list back and uh she's trying to also uncover the person who who stole the list to begin with and uh things things take a turn there's double agents there's all kinds of nefarious things happening a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense people's affiliations and and uh alliances don't don't really line up and there's it, there's just a lot of questions. It's a it's a messy movie. It's also paced really strangely. Like there was this one scene that you see in the trailer where she's in like a hotel room and a bunch of guys come in and she, they they show her like slowly sticking her hand in the ice bucket and there's a gun in there. And that scene never happened and it felt like the movie was over. Like there were literally people in my theater getting up and leaving. Because the movie seemed like it was over. Like, I gathered up my shit. I was ready to get up, too. And then there was this whole extra scene at the end. And I'm like, what? Like, oh, oh there's... Oh, it's not over. Okay, here we go. There's more. But, so it was just... The pacing was really off as well. Uh, the The music was good, but I felt like it was misused at times. And sometimes it was just, like it felt like they were trying to come up with an excuse to put in another kind of eighties Euro pop song in there, like 99 red balloons and lots of, uh, lots of great eighties, uh, Euro, Euro trash songs in there. Euro trash in there. It's good stuff. You know, they played there's some clash in there. A couple clash songs. Actually. Now that I think about it anyway, it clash. That was that'd be funny if it was just nothing but Clash songs. I'd probably be okay. I'd probably be okay with that. Front to back, it was just the entire album. Never. No, they they would play like different versions of the same song too. Like they they played like the original '99 Luft Balloons, and then they would play this new remixed version. Uh. And, and sometimes it worked. Like there the the when they first played that, there was an interesting. It was it was done to a kind of a cool montage, and it kind of worked, but. Yeah, sometimes it didn't it didn't always land for me, but mm-hmm. overall, it's a pretty fun movie. Just don't go into it expecting any kind of really coherent plot cuz not if you start thinking about it, everything just kind of crumbles. <laughs> it is definitely a, a house of cards type narrative. But the action's stellar though. I mean, Charlize Theron is awesome in this. Uh James McAvoy's okay, he's not great. It's always great to have John Goodman in there too, and he's awesome as well. Same with Toby Jones and Eddie Marsden's in there, and he's he's great too because he's actually involved in that really long fight scene. That's the single take, so he's he's actually involved in it. She's trying to protect him, and he's he's just for me Eddie Marsden being in anything instantly adds bonus points to it. So yeah, overall a fun movie, not 
not anything magnificent. Yeah, I think, I think really, you're kind of just going into it hoping that the action's good. Yeah, the the weird thing is that there there was just there was a lot less of it than I expected. Like all the action scenes that occur in the movie, you see at least partially in the trailer. So maybe mm-hmm. that was that's part of it was that there weren't any action scenes that occurred that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. So that that could be part of it. <clears throat> but overall, it's it's still a fun time. All right. Uh, I watched Kingsman. The Secret oh, Service. Yo, Kingsman. Now, uh, just a stupid thing is I go into Letterbox, right? And I write Kingsman. And it says, no no films match that title. And I'm like, bullshit. It's called Kingsman. What the fuck? And I'm like, oh, the. So I put the Kingsman. No movies match that title. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Why is Letterbox broken? Why is it not working? So I just type Kingsman again. It says, no movie. I type Kingsman again. And I don't, at this point, I don't know why I keep just tight. Like, I wouldn't budge. I wouldn't budge. (laughs) And I'm like, I know this is the name of the movie. It's called Kingsman, where it's either that or The Kingsman. And I just keep typing it over and over again. And then, of course, I go to IMDb and I start typing it out. And it comes up as Kingsman, which seems incorrect. There's no way that this movie is called Kingsman, The Secret Service. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm pretty sure the entirety of the internet is wrong. It's Kingsman, the Secret Service. But anyways, speaking of the movie, uh, this is weird. This is a weird-ass movie. The first fight scene where that Lancelot guy like comes in and tries to save uh, Luke Skywalker, um, like the editing of this and like the way it's shot, it's just fucking nauseating as all hell. Camera's all over the goddamn place. It's like zooming in, zooming out, and just I, I couldn't take it. It's just, it's it's really disorienting. You can't really see what the hell's going on because everything's moving so damn fast and so many cuts. So, like, right off the bat, I'm like, well, this is not a good sign because it's an action movie and the action stuff is making me want to vomit. So, and it's not the bad, like, the, we're not talking like, uh, you know, the Hunger Games where it was, like, it was pissing me off because the shaky camp is ridiculous. It's not that. It's just, like, these quick cuts... And just, I don't know what what they're really doing with this movie when they're doing the action sequences. <clears throat> but, uh, and then the other thing that kind of, I didn't quite understand. I also found it slightly interesting is that the Kingsmen, like as this spy organization or whatever, is like most of what you see in the beginning is them being terrible at their job. Like they just suck. Like um, Colin Firth is... He's like interrogating a guy. He misses a shot. Grenade goes off. And the one guy jumps on it and ends up dying. Their one colleague. And uh, so he missed a shot. Ends up getting his buddy killed. Goes to the the guy's wife and kid. And he's like, hey, all we have for you is a medal. Like, we can't really do anything else for you. If you ever need one thing, call the number on the back. Like, you only get one favor. I mean, there's this huge organization with so much money and resources but they give their widow like we'll help you out once yeah seems like a dick move (laughs) and the rest of the time they just completely ignore the family just completely ignore it because you end up coming back like the kid that ends up getting picked to you know be in the kingsman is that guy's son you know like 18 years later or whatever he's in trouble and he calls the number and then they're like hey you want to be 
you should try out for Kingsman. So during this time, they're like, they're like, I mean, they're living in, you know, like, uh, like the projects or something like just complete shit life. And it's like, so they just completely ignored this family for all this time. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, I'm in a bind calls the number. And they're like, Hey, and then they end up getting pissy at the kid because the, like one of the first steps that you had to do for, because there's this whole test to be a Kingsman or whatever. And they're like, pick a puppy. You got to pick a puppy and you got to train this puppy. And it's going to be by your side because the number one thing about Kingsman is teamwork and loyalty. Right. So then the final test is they give you a gun. They're like, shoot the dog in the face, which doesn't make any sense at all when your whole thing is teamwork and loyalty and you had to raise this puppy and teach it everything. And now they're just like shooting the face for no reason to shoot the dog in the face. Like that seems like really fucked up. Like that doesn't make any sense. I can't reconcile that with what they're trying to be. You know, they're trying to be, you know, they're all about being gentlemen. Whoa. So he doesn't he doesn't shoot the dog in the face. So he ends up not getting the job because guess what? It's not that bad because it's a blank, right? But it's still the fact that you would shoot a dog in the face for no goddamn reason. So that he, uh, Colin Firth gets all pissy at this kid because he wouldn't shoot a dog in the face, and he's like, "Oh, I've been trying to make it up to your dad. Everything that I'm trying to do is for him." And it's like you ignored this kid for like 18 years while his life was shit. And now you're doing one thing and you're getting all pissy at him because he didn't shoot a dog in the face. Yeah, I, I had what a problem the, with that too. Like, what the fuck? It's just, you, you know, and then that Lancelot guy, he does his thing and then he gets he gets fucking destroyed, right? And then Colin first, like, oh, I'm going to go talk to that guy. He makes that guy blow up and he has to, like, jump out and he's in the hospital. And then he goes to see Samuel L. Jackson. That doesn't get him anything. The only thing that that does is Samuel L. Jackson finds out who they are and where they are, where they're located and where they operate out of. It's like these guys don't do anything well at all. Well, it looks like in the beginning of the sequel, their whole headquarters gets blown up. So <laughs> it looks like you're correct in that. And it looks like they're the, the bad guys are taking advantage of their incompetence. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Cause like I, I was kind of, because really the only thing that they do correctly kind of is at the end but then they just kind of get lucky because he's able to hack in and make all the chips go off and say so they dress they dress very nicely yeah they got some they, I mean, style they, do, they should just stick to that i think is at the other i mean they're pretty good fighters too like that, that the, the thing that nearly single-handedly made that movie for me was that church fight scene i know but if you think about that too is that's the one thing where there was like damn but that's colin firth kicking the shit out of like a west bass's church congregation it's like okay like it's church congregation of what like 50 year olds like all right and what happens right after that he gets shot in the face like <laughs> he does <laughs> it's like you, you guys, maybe you should find something else to do. And I also don't understand. They have that one test where it's like they time to the train tracks and they're like, tell us who the Kingsmen are. And that one guy fails because he's like, I'll tell you anything you need to know. And they're like, oh, you fail. And then they're just like, go home. And it's like, well, if he's like, he's going to blab to everyone. Yeah. We, like, we already established that that dude talks. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you just let him go? I just... It, it's such a baffling movie to me. 
And then there's that whole thing at the end, which just I thought was so fucking dumb, where she's, you know, the, what was that, the Swiss princess or the Danish princess, whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, they're so completely out of place. Well, that's it. That's because it's Mark Millar, the guy who did the comic it's just, book. It's just weird, though, because there's like, an, there's no like sexual aspect to this movie at all. And then to just throw that in at the end, just yeah. like, why? Like, did you really need to? That's what makes it even more infuriating is because it's so small. Like, if you take it out, it like the movie doesn't change at all. I mean, it only gets better. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, uh, did you see, did you see Kick-Ass? Yeah, which I don't remember a lot of that. Did you, I can't I remember. Did you, did, you, did you like it? I think I did. Pretty sure I did. Did you see Wanted? Mm, no. Okay. Because I, I just, from seeing the the adaptations of the, the movies that, or the comics that this guy wrote, I, I can't see his stuff being something that you'd like. I just don't. I mean, I, I did see. like... I liked Samuel L. Jackson because he was just ridiculous, and it seemed like he was having tons of fun, which I enjoyed. I did. I really loved his his character. He was a lot of fun, and like the actual storyline of it, I thought was you know the whole like what he was doing, what he was trying to accomplish. Like it was so ridiculous that it kind of worked for me. It was just that like the Kingsmen are just complete dicks, and I'm they actually- suck at their job. <laughs> I liked the movie. Um, I I think I gave it a, th- a six. I gave it a three on Letterboxd. Um, the sequel looks pretty fun to me. I like the idea of the Kingsman being basically destroyed and then them having to come over to the United States and team up with the Statesman and the, how the Statesman is like led by Jeff Bridges and Channing Tatum is in there. And I, I think it looks like it's going to be fun. I'm gonna check it out because I just I'm really interested to see if because like you said they they get their their whole operation destroyed so I want to see if they keep that like vein going where the Kingsmen should maybe just stick to being tailors and not trying to <laughs> well, well I, th- I think like almost all of them get killed I, I think that <laughs> Colin Firth comes back and then Mark Strong's still in it and uh, Taron Taron Edgerton well I like Taron Edgerton's character of Eggsy in the original one i thought he was funny and there had that whole kind of fish out of water angle yeah which i enjoyed plus i just have a hard time thinking that like if you're in if a regular customer just comes into like dressing room three you would think at some point in time they probably put something on one of those hooks (laughs) yeah i thought that too and like all the walls just open up and you're just like what the fuck what is is happening And like, start freaking out. <laughs> someone at least had to hang up like their jacket or their pants or something. Yeah. All right, that's Kingsman. Kingsman. I'm it's gonna... not Kingsman. That's such bullshit. It's Kingsman. I'm gonna rewatch that before the new one comes out in a couple weeks. Uh, I saw 68 Kill. This is dr- uh, directed by Trent Haga. Yeah. This one really didn't do it for me. I wasn't that into it. it stars Matthew Gray Goobler who has a really big following on the internet for some reason. I'm not sure why. He's from, he's, he's on the show criminal minds. I know him from, he was in life after Beth and excision. And, uh, what was it? He was in, um, life aquatic. I think I know who you're talking about. I'm trying to think of what I saw him in 
There was a movie I saw him in recently, Suburban Gothic. That's what I was thinking of. And I, I, I like okay, that yeah. one. He's, he's that guy. Yeah, I like him. I, I, I like his stuff. I thought that he was fine in this movie. The movie itself, I thought, was meh. It was, it was pretty much right down the middle for me. This is kind of a throwback exploitation film about this guy who his girlfriend turns out to be this psycho killer who sort of swindles him into robbing this guy but ends up when they go to rob him she murders the guy and the guy's wife as well and then they they take the money and turns out that there was this young girl who's also in the house and they kidnap her and then he freaks out and decides that he can't take part in this anymore so he knocks out his girlfriend and then he and the girl who they kidnapped sort of try to make a break for it but then he ends up meeting this other psycho girl who does some really horrible things and it's just basically him meeting crazy women over and over again and them trying to kill him and take this money which is only 68 grand it's a lot of i mean 68 grand is a lot of money but it's a lot of work to go through i mean you're really risking everything for this 68 grand uh super violent it it's uh it's got a lot of a lot of violence in it but it's not particularly done well it's a, a lot of it's uh, cg blood in there so that wasn't mm-hmm. i i didn't like that any anytime we got the cg gore effects i'm like eh, no, not you. into it not into it uh the comedy it's it's more of a horror comedy i guess i mean or, or maybe like an action comedy and it just uh didn't really land wasn't that funny to me but i don't really have anything else to say about it I, it's on vod now you can check it out we have a review for this up on the site uh ken reviewed it for us and he gave it a seven out of ten so he he was kind of into it he liked the the silly um exploitation aspect of it but for me it just felt a little tired all right so again 68 kill right down the middle for me Uh, i mean for for you I would avoid. I would avoid this like the plague for you. Yeah, it does not sound good at all. You, you would, you'd be giving it a one or a half, probably. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check it out then. Well, it's weird. Like, it it goes to some really dark territory that's unexpected. Like, so so they after they kidnap the girl, he's like, "What are we? What are we doing with this girl? We got to let her go. I'm not gonna kill this person." And she's like, "No, I'm gonna sell her to my brother." And he's like, "What are you talking about? You're gonna sell? You're gonna sell this person to your brother? What's your what? What your brother's like a, a human trafficker?" And she's like, "She's like, no, he's not a human trafficker." And they go over to his house, and he lives in this like really creepy, uh, like slasher, like Leatherface type house. And he likes to abduct and torture and dismember women. So like. All of a sudden, like you have this kind of violent action comedy, and then all of a sudden it takes this complete 180, and you're like, oh my god, he's like raping and murdering and dismembering these women and keeping their heads in jars and stuff. And it's like, what is going on here? This t- it, it just takes such a dark turn. A half. Yeah, I'm going to give that a half star. Yeah. That's, so anyway. That's terrible. That's, that's 68 kill. No, thank you. It's a movie that, that kind of revels in its trashiness, though. I mean, it's well, very self-aware. We need to do that elsewhere. Get out of my face. Mm. Kill him. Ugh. Disgusting. Yeah. That's all I got. That's all, all right. 
let's uh, go over some release dates. Friday, August 11th, we have Annabelle Creation. New supernatural oh. horror movie. It's a prequel to the Annabelle movie, which was a prequel to... Uh, what, what the, I already forgot. Oh, my God. What was the... Was it the the, yeah, The Conjuring. No. So Annabelle was a prequel to The Conjuring, and now Annabelle Creation is a prequel to Annabelle. We got prequels of prequels here. What do you think on this? No, thanks. No, thank you at all. I mean, uh, maybe maybe I'll give it a look. I, I tend to like horror movies more that, that take place uh, in the past, you know, 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s. That was one of the reasons I liked The Conjuring so much and the conjuring 2 in fact the conjuring 2 i believe is it that's a prequel of the conjuring what is happening here it's a prequel of a prequel of a prequel anyway annabelle annabelle creation i mean it doesn't look particularly appealing to me but then again ouija origin of evil didn't look that great either and i ended up loving it so who knows we also have the nut job 2 nutty by nature (laughs) jesus christ uh, <laughs> I like that you couldn't even get through it. No, I couldn't. I don't think we need to say anything about that one. We have The Only Living Boy in New York. That's the new Mark Webb one, I believe. I'll be skipping that one. What's your interest level on The Only Living Boy in New York? No, thank you. I don't even know what it is. But I, I'm going to... I'm not... I don't want to see it just because it's the name of a... Was it a Paul Simon song? Oh, God. Well, then you know it's trash. Paul Simon's trash. Well, I disagree there, but... I can't, I, I can't stand Paul Simon. Oh, I'm a pretty big fan. I'm a pretty big Graceland fan. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I hate that Graceland. hate it. Uh, yeah, I like it. Anyway, Ingrid Goes West comes out. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for that one. That one looks like it's going to be a good time. Uh, another one that I'm really excited for is Good Time. Oh, perfect segue. Yeah. You need yep. to try it. I know. Uh, I was a huge, enormous fan of Heaven Knows What. I think you were a pretty big fan of that too, weren't you? Yes, very much so. So this very, one yeah. looks looks fantastic. Incredible. So can't wait to get. It. Yeah, re- really excited for that one. Now, let's see what else we have here. Once Upon a Time. That is a Chinese uh, film. It's a it's a period piece. Does not look very good to me, but hmm. Pilgrimage. Uh, pilgrimage with uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man's in there. Looks mm-hmm. it looks like it could be all right. We got Whose Streets is a documentary. I think that's about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. We got the Veil, the the Veil. Not sure what that one is. And we got the trip to Spain. Yeah. Really, um. Not really excited, but I'm anxious to see that one. I was a, I, I want to rewatch because I'm I'm going to Italy the ne- the end of next month, and I want to rewatch the trip to Italy, see what kind of see what places they go to because it, it looked like they went to some really cool places. I'm also seeing Rama on here. Which one? Uh, After Rama, the new Bertram Pinello. Let me see. Which, that's one that I've been waiting for. Cause that played um, I played festivals. It seems like like two or three years ago. Oh yeah, here it is. Yeah, I missed it. Deep Water Three, <laughs> or no, not Deep Water. <laughs> Open Water Three Cage Dive. 
I didn't. I don't recall an open water too. I never yeah. saw open water. I remember there's a lot of buzz about that. Yeah. Uh, the ghoul comes out and a taxi driver, which I'm really excited for. This yeah, is that's a, supposed to be good too. Yeah, this is a South Korean film uh, with um, Song Kang Ho from uh, from the host and Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the good, the bad, and the weird. I'm a huge fan of his howling. I pretty much love everything he's in. He's just, he's like one of my all time favorite Korean actors and uh, a taxi driver looks really good. So I'm, I'm really hyped up for that one. Well, it's a pretty good weekend next weekend. Yeah, it's a really solid weekend. Toilet comes out too. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but I've got, I got one, two, three, four, five, five movies I want to see right here. Yeah, I know it's going to be yeah. a packed packed weekend i know that uh nutty by nature is up there on your list too that's number one that that's number one of five right no that, no that's not even on the list because that just goes without saying oh okay that's a default for me it's right? it's number one and two on the list and then three four and five are separate movies I'm, I'm buying a ticket to every showtime on saturday i'm just gonna spend all day at the theater and i'm gonna see it seven times oh nice yep a little nutty by nature marathon <laughs> <laughs> oh god nut job too i didn't think the first one did that well i just i'm surprised that they made a sequel no i'm pretty sure not i'm pretty sure nut job one bombed yeah I thought no oh well yeah it's nothing before vod this week we got brillo box three cents off that's on hbo that comes out on the 7th so today we got it's a quick update. Mm-hmm. The, the first yeah. nut job got a ten percent tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so maybe the nut job two is going to beat out the emoji movie for worst reviewed movie of the year. Uh, I don't know. If, if I had to pick, I would watch nut job. Oh, two. absolutely. Because I, I heard I heard some things about the emoji movie. We actually have a review for this up on the site too. I think. Uh, he reviewed it. Mint, I think, reviewed it, and he gave it a 0. 0.5 out of 10. Wow. I heard yeah. that it's, like, just a, basically an advertisement. Like, the whole thing is just a big ad. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it has a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just really bad. That seems high, though, to be honest. It does it seem high. Because to, to, the 7% must mean, I mean, there's... It's got to be more than one person. Yeah. Again, I'm about to fucking find out. Luis Fernando... Galvan from N Film. Five people. Five people gave it a fresh. That's some shit. Yeah. On Tuesday the eighth, we have Savage Dog, Female Fight Squad, The Transfiguration, and Cut Shoot Kill. And then on Friday the eleventh, we have Pilgrimage, The Veil, and that's all I have on the list for VOD on Friday. Blu-ray. This week we have, this is for Tuesday, August 8th, we have Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2 are coming out on Blu-ray via Scream Factory. They have really cool covers that kind of match. Nice. Digging that. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It's the new one, the Guy Ritchie one I heard was Mm -hmm. pretty bad. Uh, Let's see what else we have. Snatched, that's the Amy Schumer one and with Goldie Hawn. Uh, I know you're all about that one. Yes. 
Tenement Game of Survival from 1985 is getting a Blu-ray treatment. That's that's kind of exciting. I, I just saw that movie for the first time pretty recently, and I was really into it. Okay. Uh, the Dinner, that's the one with Richard Gere, I believe. Problem Child's getting a Blu-ray release from 1990. That's exciting. I don't know if that's some kind of re-release or what. That just made your day, didn't it? You have no idea how much I loved Problem Child as a kid. Oh. <laughs> I loved Problem Child. Not so much Problem Child 2, hmm. but big time Problem Child 1. What do we have on the old Criterion front this week? Uh, we have Michael Curtis's, uh The Breaking Point from 1950. Yeah. You know, it looks pretty good. Looks like a guy charters a boat and Maybe. some criminals get on there. Because it's a adaptation of Hemingway's to have and have not. So that's your thing. Fucking get that. Jump on it. Hmm. Now, I do want to just something else real quick because I had to check out the Emoji movie and see these, these five fresh. Now, two of them make sense, right? One's a 7 out of 10. The other one's a 3 out of 5. Okay, that's fresh. The other one is a 1.5 out of 5. And somehow that's a fresh. Yeah, that is absolutely not. (laughs) The other one is 2.5 out of 5. And the tagline just says, as animated children's films go, this one's pretty okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking here. The one that I mentioned before, the the Luis Fernando Galvin one. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one point five out of five. And I, I apologize for calling him out because I'm reading the synopsis here. This is a Spanish review, but it's translated. It says this this new animated film only seeks to exalt an indifferent, impersonal, and cynical world in which we are led to believe that the best way to communicate is by sending and receiving clumsy little faces. <laughs> Tell yeah. me how that is a fresh. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't understand. And to even have the score of one and a, one and a half out of five under yeah. And I also like the, the Kaplan versus Kaplan review, which is just, it's not going to win any prizes for animation, but at least it's an adventurous idea that will appeal to a variety of people. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, with most cases, even bad films, they probably will appeal to a variety of people. Yeah, I mean, most movies... Even the shit ones appeal to somebody, like the people involved in making it. Yeah. Like, I'm sure T.J. Miller probably saw the Emoji movie and was like, yeah, this is great. I'm in it. <laughs> the other one's just positive messages, but colorful adventure is only meh. That's <laughs> fresh. <laughs> oh, man, what a piece of shit. <sighs> I, don't, I don't understand how Rotten Tomatoes works. I don't either. I really don't either such a stupid website mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right i think that's gonna do it for this week thank you so much for tuning in you can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net you can follow us on twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulse kevin and if you have a minute take a look at our patreon page patreon.com forward slash filmpulse consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for kevin rakestraw my name's adam patterson we'll see you next week